0: Feature presentation. Yo, 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 I'm back, bitches. Welcome to the eighth best movie podcast in Canada. Where do we rank in the world or the US? I don't know. Maybe eighty-eighth, eight hundred and eighty-eighth, eight thousand eight hundred and eighty-eighth. I am one louder. of your hosts. <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck. Joining me today is my co-host. He's allergic to tomatoes. But he is tomato meter approved. It's Eric Marchin.
1: The return of the Matt. The mighty Matt Roarback is back. You did something over the last month that was years in the making and it finally Matt happened. is
0: back all right
1: you saw Damn Jurassic man. world yeah. in in Croatia years as that's why I went
0: that's why I went to Croatia for three weeks. I had to go to Croatia. I had to wait three weeks after the movie ca- came out and then I had to go to a really really cool theater in Zagreb in Croatia to go see uh one of the worst movies uh of the year of the franchise and just an abysmal piece of garbage <laughs> just Colin Trevorrow just so needs to be stopped i said i want to fight him because like i just <laughs> i i eric i just i can't i can't i just it's so disappointing as hi everyone, I know it's been a while. Um, we need to get into this, cared, <laughs> but um, I'm married now. There's a ring on my finger. I don't know if you can see it. If this camera, I'm using my webcam today I can, because yeah, I can see it. There is, you go. There uh, you my go. Sausage fingers with a ring. Uh, I'm married now. My I have a beautiful wife, Nevis Heideen Rohrbeck. Um, but more importantly. <laughs> Yes. Let's get back to what's really important here. I saw Jurassic world dominion. We don't have a review out for it because it literally came out like the day before, um, I left to go get married and go to Europe. And then Nevis and I throughout the trip, you know, there were some relaxing days, some days, some lazy days before we got married where we're like, oh, maybe we'll pop into a movie theater and go see Jurassic world or something. Um, I kept putting it off, putting it off. I heard from you and from other people I trust how how bad it was. Um, and I just kept putting it off. And then my last day in Croatia, literally the night before we were about to leave, uh, we were in Zagreb for one night because that's where we flew out of. So we drove into Zagreb and we're like okay well we have one night here let's let's look up i like finding cool movie theaters um in cities i am around the world so i found a really cool theater which is called the capital uh boutique cinema in zagreb um had a really awesome bar uh you could get cocktails at the bar you there was like um all the cinemas were really interesting where they had like different themes and like they had one main cinema that was more of like your typical stadium seating, like bigger cinema that was playing Top Gun uh, when we were there. Oh, and I'll get into that because, like, I sh- tried to get my parents to go see Top Gun finally. And they were like, well, we want to hang out with you guys. We'll just come see Jurassic World Dominion instead. <laughs> and then like, because uh, they're like, it's more fun if we all see the same movie. And then I'm like, ah, okay, like I would go see Top Gun for a third time. But like, there's all these movies like I need to see Jurassic World. I need to see Black Phone, I need to see Elvis. I need to see Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Like I missed all these things where I'm like, need to see them as strong. But like, I, I, I want to because, you know, I'm a completionist. You're playing catch up. So, yeah so um we go to this theater and we're gonna go see jurassic world i i have a couple cocktails it's really cool so like you get a ticket the drink the ticket came with a free cocktail at the bar that was dope so we went early hung out with my my parents and their friend kathy who was there as well um And all the different cinemas are themed differently. So they had their main stadium one that had these cool color seats and they had some cool designs on the wall. The theater we were in had like a a forest design on the walls. And then they had like basically the chairs were these like very comfortable like lounger chairs that had like a table with a lamp right beside you it was like super fancy super cool they had another one that looked like a bookshelf or a dvd shelf on both walls and had similar kind of like an office-y kind of vibe but like the screen was decent the sound was incredibly loud and it was just like a fun vibe and then also you could get beers at the concession which isn't new we can get that here in in canada i just don't regularly partake in getting drunk at the movies very often sometimes vip you'll get some but like not at a regular like movie but this felt like a fun thing we were doing in a foreign country and i just wanted to have a good time but and the prices are way different there too eric so a popcorn combo giant tub of popcorn and two beers half liters of beers was like nine (laughs) dollars Like for all of that. That's good. I was like,
1: like, are you kidding me? What about the ticket though? (coughs) You you said that the, the, the ticket came with a cocktail. Did they, is that an additional charge on with the ticket? Like does the, no, you
0: have to buy this package ticket for this fancy theater. At, At least in the cinema we went to, I think they're in the main cinema. That was more like stadium seating that I'm talking about. I think they had two different sections, one section, no cocktail included. And one section cocktail included the boutique like smaller cinemas we were in with these like office chair, like an office chair sounds weird. Like it's a computer chair, but you know what I mean? Like a, a reading chair, almost like a big, yeah. comfy like chair uh, came with a cocktail Canadian. It was $15, but it came with a cocktail. So I'm like, that's pretty great. Like a cocktail alone in Toronto is $18 <laughs> usually. So um, a cocktail and a movie ticket for 15 bucks Canadian. And then this combo, with a giant tub of popcorn and two Karlovachkos, two beers, was $9 Canadian. And and then I kept going back to the concession to drink beer because the movie was so depressing that I was like, (laughs) I'm just going to get hammered watching this movie. And I got shit-faced, Eric. I got absolutely shit-faced watching Jurassic World Dominion because the beers were only $3 each. So I kept going back to the concession and getting two beers. And also it felt like, was it the Godzilla screening that was so hot? Yeah, Was that the one that was hot? This was like, Eric, it was like Godzilla screening in the, in the theater. It was so sweaty and so hot in the theater. So I kept getting these cold beers to put on my face and then just chugging them because I was so hot. And so I got absolutely wrecked watching Jurassic world dominion with Nevis, my mom, my dad, and their friend Kathy. And, uh, I apologized to them after the movie, my mom and Kathy classic. They're like, it was fine. We liked it. Cause that's what my mom says about every movie. Um, my dad, uh, as we're walking out, he's like, uh, what'd you guys think of the movie? I'm like, I'm sorry I made you go see this. It was awful. He's like, oh, God. Okay, Girl, I didn't want to say anything because he's like, I didn't know if you liked it. He's like, but it's terrible. I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. You should have just seen Top Gun. I should have just seen Top Gun for a third time. I'm sorry you guys all came to this. And they're like, no, it was fun. Like, we, we like watching a movie together. Um, but Jurassic world dominion, what a hot pile of garbage, (laughs) a a dino diarrhea of,
1: of, of filmmaking that is just, yeah, it's brutal
0: incompetent and just like it's so sad really like it made me sad and angry <laughs> and and i was drunk during it so i was kind of laughing at it and then like nevis and i like i i was like the annoying guy in the theater who was drunk like laughing when laura dern shows up in the exact same outfit she's wearing from the first jurassic park or when are we going spoilers on this i guess I mean, it's been out uh,
1: for. I won't go time, full
0: spoilers, so. but like a certain <clears throat> character gets off in the same way another character gets off in the first movie in the exact same way. And like so many dumb things that are callbacks to the original, but are just the the dumbest, laziest callbacks ever. And then on top of that, you just have a very boring story. Like there was so much potential in this thing of like dinosaurs are loose in the world. And you're like, no, what we need to focus on locusts and human clones. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, what? Like, what is this? And then like everyone seems like they're phoning it in. Um, You bring back the original cast and it just like for no reason – and then uh, the villain in the movie um, of who – I don't know if that's even a spoiler. Camel like, Scott it's, Dodson. Yeah, Dodson. And, like, Dodson, it just feels like such Dodson a here. reach. Like, feels like such a reach. And he's just playing Tim Cook from Apple. And, like, it's just – And he's on know, the man. autistic
1: spectrum. The way that the character is kind of, like, awkward and yeah. not making mm-hmm. eye contact. It's like, okay, let's make this guy the villain. It's just like – and I like Campbell Scott. I think he's a he's a good character actor. If you haven't seen Roger, and it's Dodger, a cool idea to
0: bring Dodgson back too, really and his But not the actual of...
1: actor who played him because that actual yeah, actor a, is yeah, 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 I know I know. Yeah, that's Pedophile. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So I just mean like the character is like a cool idea to bring that character back. Cool idea to have dinosaurs loose. So a many spoiler cool is that you're just like The squandered. Barbasol can not a cool idea. <laughs> no.
1: I was laughing my ass off at that. And and I think part of the problem is when you have a sequel like this that brings back the Jurassic Park cast and then you also have, you know, characters that you could couldn't care less about with chris pratt and and bryce dallas howard like i why make them such a big part like i also laughed at the the little reference that they made to like the other characters from the first jurassic world movie working with like the fbi or the cia and like seeing those like profile photos of like jake johnson and stuff like that and you're just like come on like do, you, do we really need to know like where those people are as well you know now compared to like where they you know where where they were no, in the last film and you're just watching it and you're just like clone trevorrow does not want to make this movie you can tell he does not give a shit uh whatsoever uh the dialogue mm-hmm. is bad the way that they bring the storylines together in the third act is not only clumsy it's just like not it's it's like screen level screenplay writing level 101 when it comes to how you just you know do things the most lazy kind of way possible and you're just watching it and you're thinking to yourself like that's it like literally like this is this is where the franchise is going to literally become extinct
0: it's so upsetting. Like I know we'll always have that first movie, and and it, it, I, we've brought this up before that it's a testament to how great that first movie is. That all of these sequels haven't completely ruined it, and <laughs> like completely made people hate Jurassic Park or or hate the franchise and, and anything like it's that. It's not meant because, to be a franchise. I think that's like, what it comes down no, to. Yeah,
1: is that you had one really great movie, and you know Lost World's fine, but. This was not something meant to be an ongoing franchise or a legacy franchise or what have you in the same way that the Terminator movies are not really meant to be, you know, Mm. sequelized and continually ongoing. You can't, you know, really kind of make anything out of that. And, And with Jurassic World, it's like, okay... You know, like the, the excuse is always, how do you get the same characters to come back to the park or the world? Because, you know, they would probably want to stay yeah. as far away as possible. But then you introduce new characters that we couldn't care less about. And Chris Pratt doing that whole, like, you know, 11 thing where like, he's like telling the. That's his
0: uh, thing now. Yeah. From the first movie. Who yeah.
1: cares? You know, and and Trevorrow just being like, Yeah, one of these dinosaurs that I've created is like the Joker. It just wants to see the world burn and you just like makes oh. me want to
0: punch him punch him in the throat, dude. This makes just,
1: not like... only Fallen Kingdom look better, but yeah, it makes the book of Henry more interesting as like a weird kind of like complete one off joke, but at least it had personality. This movie has nothing.
0: I agree. I don't really have much more to say. And like maybe we'll I just, it's, it's, to me, it's just sad. I did laugh a lot because I was like, this is, I can't believe how bad this is. I kept turning to Nevis going, this is awful. I can't believe how bad it is, how bad the dialogue is, how generic and boring the action is, and like how uninspired the dinosaurs that they use are, and like, yeah, how uninspired it is how they bring back the original cast, and like how, you know, the melding of those two casts, how, i don't i don't want to see sam neill and chris pratt kind of do the same thing like i don't want that and i don't know what you should have done or could have done other than not do it to your point um and it does make like fallen kingdom i thought was trash but like i also now go well, at least it was like trying something different and like had a, a voice to it i guess it's not good and then jurassic world to me it even makes it look better even though it's, it's trevorrow and, and, and stuff like that or it makes it worse because then i go you <laughs> i don't know like it's just I, i'm all over the place but i think it makes those first three movies much better because even lost world and jurassic park 3 um aren't great movies uh i think there's nuggets in there that at least from shot on film or or the character actors you brought in and like um, there are some fun things in both of those movies that I feel like are way better now once I've seen the, the three other things that we've gotten since. So I don't know, as someone who absolutely loves that first movie, nothing will change. Like you probably can see it, I think in my background right there, you can see yep. a Jurassic Park poster. So, um, uh, and then nevis got me a jurassic park visual kind of book the other day too and like it, i i love that movie i think it is the perfect action adventure kind of movie uh like thriller and it's just the special effects too dude like how how does the first movie look better than this it doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me how it doesn't make any sense it was like 30 years ago and like it's it looks so much better than some of the dinosaurs do in this yep. and it's just uh
1: and also the handling of B.D. Wong's character in this and the way that they set him up in Fallen Kingdom to kind of be, like, the big bad in this movie. And then they kind of backed off on that. And the I laughed out loud when he is reintroduced to the original three characters where he comes out of the shadows and, like, uh, Sam Neill is like, it's you! I, and
0: he's like, yeah, can I, I come r- to? I remember you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, you remember that scene where I showed you the raptor coming out of the egg or the like And I um,
1: like the, the way that they handled the Dilophosaurus in this, I'm sorry. Like like they made Chris Pratt like that hero. It's like, oh I could handle this and no problem whatsoever in a second.
0: I don't I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'd rather talk about anyways, the book of Henry. <laughs> God. At least that was like so bad you can laugh at it where this is just yeah at times just i think the lazy callbacks like when laura dern steps out and she's wearing the pink shirt with the blue undershirt that's tied up i'm like really (laughs) guys that's like did she just was she frozen in
1: 1990? i mean she was (laughs) in jurassic park three i mean it was a small role but like she looked like a normal person then like
0: it's just like so many of the things I'm like, really? Like that that is the level of like, eh, you guys remember that? Remember what she wore? It's like I want I hate it. I hate it anyway. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh I'm excited to be back. I don't know what the hell we're gonna talk about, but like, I corn. haven't really watched it. We gotta talk about hot corn. Um, hot corn? What do you mean? Hot the corn? Doritos. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There's I have, the trip was such a blur now. So like um I've been back for about a week now. Actually, exactly a week. We landed um Sunday at like 5 p.m. last week. I'm dating this, but um yeah, three weeks in Europe, man, long ass time. But it was wonderful. It was getting <coughs> <coughs> choked up. No, I'm I think I got a piece of kale from my 7 <laughs> Eleven Green Juice. Um I had a wonderful time. Like it was split up into like kind of three aspects where we did one week with Nevis's parents uh, at their place because Nevis hadn't seen them for a whole year since they moved to Budapest. Um, then we had like the week of the wedding, um, which was, you know, a blur and, and and fantastic. And I'll get into that. And then we had the last week of just relaxing. So um, it's taken my body like a whole week or so to kind of readjust like from the time difference. It's six hours ahead over there. Right. So um, and my body just feels ravaged from like the jarring switch coming back. But um it was super chill, man. It was so hot over there. It was like thirty to thirty five degrees every single day. There was a couple days that went up to thirty-eight, thirty-nine degrees Celsius. Uh, that were just some of the hottest days I've ever walked around in. Like I know there's some people in Arizona and the desert and stuff like that, or Texas or other places that are probably like, Whoa, oh, come on, you like but I it was so hot um but really enjoyed it like went to the beach a lot had some great food in croatia like a lot of cevapi and different meats and and and, and stuff like that and um vegetables and it's just uh, the prices on stuff was like i said like it's jarring going i went out for dinner with nevis last night in toronto dropped 130 dollars, like it was nothing on some drinks and some appetizers and then in croatia we would consistently get meals full entrees and appetizer I would drink a half liter of wine and have a couple beers or whatever and it'd be like $65 Canadian so it's just like it's just like jarring like alcohol there Eric it's like is the same thing as like any other drink if you wanted to get a coke or a beer it's basically the same price right like they don't upcharge you just because it's alcohol and I think that's so interesting and not that I've never been to Europe before but I just haven't gone in three years so it was like stuff like that was was fantastic. Uh, Croatia great beautiful place with amazing like mountains and hills and the sea and um well, it is my third time going but it was like the most time I've spent there and we rented a car and he was drove around and that was the first time we did that and it was just so nice to spend time with her family. And then the wedding was uh, was fantastic. It was really, really nice. Like, uh, thank you. You sent a very sweet message. And, you know, it was um, the day was perfect, pretty much. Like, um, the only thing is that we had no air conditioning in the hall where we had our not our, our ceremony was outside. The uh, dinner and dancing was inside on the second floor of an old Like we were at like an older hotel on an Island and we didn't realize it because we weren't able to visit any of the locations and stuff because we were in Canada. So we kind of just trusted our wedding planner and different things like that. So uh, we get there and it's like 30 plus degrees that day and I'm wearing a full tuxedo and I committed to it. And I was like, you know what? There's a little breeze from the sea. Um, I'll be, I'll be fine. I'll, I'll make it work. And then we get into the hall And it was so fucking hot because it's on the second level too. So heat rises. So even hotter when you walked up the stairs to get to the hall and then they opened up all the windows, but that really to try to get a cross breeze, but that didn't really work. You got 33 people in this hall, a DJ with all his equipment and like, um, and just, so the hottest room you've ever been in and you had to spend the the whole night dancing and eating in there. Um, but it was great. I mean, I posted some photos. If anyone wants to go check those out, they're on my Instagram and and, and stuff, Twitter and stuff like that. But a, a beautiful day that turned out really, really well. No one um, had to drink so much water, dude, because at times I'm like, someone here is going to get heat exhaustion or something like that because everyone's dancing the whole night. Um, We had a saxophone player that everyone fell in love with basically like this. We call him the sexy sax man because like all the women there were just like, who is this beautiful saxophone player that you guys got? And he like crushed it and made the party really keep going. Our DJ was great. The food was good. Um, You know, Nevis looked amazing. I hadn't seen her in her wedding dress until she walked down the aisle Speaking of Jurassic Park, she walked down the aisle to the Jurassic Park theme. Oh wow! She didn't really tell she didn't really tell me about, and she found like a beautiful version uh, of it, um, which I thought was funny because John Williams born on the same day as me on the eighth. Eric and I talked about how the eighth is really important to both of us and, and our families and this show and mine and nevis's relationship and my parents and things like that so i thought that was interesting Mm -hmm. and she didn't tell me about the jurassic park thing until the morning of the wedding and i was originally hesitant because i was like i don't we don't don't do that for me like i i love the movie but you don't need to do that like it's you walking down the aisle i want you to have your moment kind of thing but she's like no trust me like i want to do this and i found like a really beautiful version of it so if you guys want to find it it's the piano guys you can just google it and it'll be on youtube so the piano guys version of the jurassic park theme and it's it's a beautiful i think the jurassic park theme if you take it out of context away from jurassic park i mean in the in context in the movie it's great but out of context it's just a beautiful piece of music i think um as well um but this version was really really gorgeous that she that she picked so you know, we had sort of a movie ish theme. We met at the film festival for people who don't know. And, and, you know, movies are a huge part of my life. They're a big part of Nevis's life. She's not obsessed with them. Like, like I am, but I think the film festival meeting there was a, it was a huge thing for us. So, um, walking down the aisle to this, uh, Jurassic park version was, um, was crazy. And then her coming down and seeing her for the first time. And I was so nervous that morning eric and like so emotional that morning like prepping for it and leading up to it um but once we she came down the aisle and we looked at each other and i kind of just everything else faded away and i only saw her like i felt super comfortable and confident we both got through our vows without really crying and where i cried a hundred times reading them to myself or reading them out loud or talking about it to other people. So it's, it's weird. Like I'm a super emotional guy, but I feel like, like anything, like in private I'll cry or talking to you or Nevis or my parents in private, like I'll show my true emotions and stuff like that. But then once I'm like performing almost for other people, I keep it together. So like, I didn't cry when I read my vows uh, you know, I got choked up a couple of times in some of my speeches and stuff like that. But like I, where, when I was reading it in private, I was just fucking bawling my eyes out and just trying to get through it. And, um, both from nerves and, and, you know, emotions and things like that. So, uh, it was a really beautiful day. So it was, um, it was just nice to get away from things too. And, you know, married now and, uh, Nevis is the best and I just had a, a great time and it, We didn't I barely watched any TV or or movies or went on social media that much. I say that, but I tweeted like over thirty times. I went and counted it. But like I would pop on Twitter and just post something and then go away. I wouldn't just be on Twitter all day or or be on social media all day. So it was like super nice to just like unplug and you know, enjoy the weather, enjoy the scenery, and just explore and see different towns. You mentioned I went to Bale; it's called Bale, but I, I made a Christian Bale joke when we were there. Uh, visited a bunch of great towns and all lovely people. Um, we went on a private uh, boat the next day after the wedding. So basically, we split our wedding up into. A pre-drink, basically the uh, cocktail reception the night before the wedding, so people could come and get to know who else was at the wedding. Our wedding was on the next day. And then on the following day, on the Friday, we got a private boat to take everyone out around Roving the island. And, like, explore kind of on this private boat where we had uh, drinks and a fresh fruit. And, like, it was, like, one of the coolest things I've ever done. Like, it it was one of those magical, like, the wedding was super magical. And then just experiencing all that with my family and Nevis's family and her friends and and, and stuff like that was just uh, so great. And then we went out on this boat and they just stopped in the middle of the sea by these beautiful, like, hills and mountains kind of things they're like, okay, you guys can go swimming. (laughs) They're like, you can jump off the boat and just go swimming in the middle of the sea. Like, and it was one of those things where like, I didn't even bring a bathing suit. I forgot it. Um, Other people did because they are prepared unlike me. Um, Well, you were thinking uh, about the wedding. So I, you know. Yeah, this was the day after. And I just, uh, you know, I just forgot. And uh, I saw everyone go in and I wasn't going to go in, but I'm like, this is just such a cool thing. So like I just went in my underwear, jumped off the boat and like went swimming for a full hour in the middle of the sea. And there was so much salt in the water that you would basically just float like and you could just hang out in the water. And there's this beautiful scenery and like uh, my sister and my mom and my cousins and my Uncle Mark and Uh, my aunt dana and nevis and all her friends and stuff were just hanging out and it's just like one of the coolest experiences of you're sitting there or you're swimming like doggy paddling and just floating and uh you look around and you're like wow i don't think i'll ever have this again where it's just like all these people in this beautiful location um my family like my mom and dad and sister like i said and just looking out at this thing and just in the ocean and and uh Uh, it was beautiful. So, and everyone we talked to was like, that was one of the coolest things that they'd ever done. And shout out to Nevis. She planned that she found that boat. And, um, and it was just, uh, it was so much fun. My uncle just being ridiculous, with his, he brought his drone and started like doing drone shots of stuff and like, um, did a uh, like, yeah, so, um, it was, it was awesome, dude. And then just hung out and, uh, like I said, saw Jurassic World at the end. So it was a good time. I'll shut up now, but that was the no, no, no. Cole's notes of getting married in Europe. Um, and I just really love the vibe over there. It's just, it really is like uh if anyone hasn't been or if you've only kind of stayed in north america uh traveling and stuff like that i really urge you to go outside of your comfort zone and and uh and try somewhere else like the language barrier thing not as bad as you think everyone speaks english um it's you know anything you're worried about like you just kind of have to let go of that and just go with it and um Most of these places, like, if you stick in touristy towns, you're great. Everyone speaks English. There's tons of tourists there. But if you even go outside of that, like, I think that's where you find the best stuff, too. Like, when Nevis and I would go off the beaten path and just go to some random thing, they have a bunch of places called, like, agro-tourism. And, like, it's basically, like, someone's house that's a restaurant. And we went and ate at one of these places. And you kind of are, like, this is weird. You're going to down like a giant farm field road and you're just like in the middle of this dense forest but there's like a farm out there with a donkey and goats and you're like is this a restaurant we saw it on google and then you go in and it's just some dude he's like yeah i'll cook you food (laughs) you're like okay (laughs) and you're like you're like all right and you sit down and this guy cooks you this beautiful like five course croatian meal and, and stuff like that and You know, there was multiple times where we just took weird routes and like, you're kind of scared in the moment because you're like, I don't fucking know if we're supposed to be here. This seems like it's taking us some weird way, but then you kind of just roll with it. And I think that's when the best moments come out. And we stayed at this beautiful villa that had a pool and uh, an incredible view. And um, so, yeah, just a perfect, perfect trip. It was great. It was so nice after so many years waiting and to just... uh, to do that so that was it you ended
1: such a beautiful vacation on such a turn <laughs> of a movie
0: <laughs> i know should have seen top gun i just like i said that to both my uh mom and dad i'm like i should have just and nevis because nevis didn't like the movie either and part of me was just like i have to go see jurassic world like it's been three weeks like i know it's bad everyone says it's bad um But I just – part of me needs to. I need to see it. So then that's why I was trying to convince my parents. I'm like, just go see Top Gun. You don't have to come see this with us. Um, But they wanted to because they're like, it's more fun if we all see the same movies. So – uh, the capital theater in Zagreb, though everyone go, it's it's pretty dope. So, um, yeah, well, at least the, the the
1: the experience of watching it at that theater was a good one. You know, mm-hmm. maybe the movie not got, so much, but the experience. Got so is worth drunk,
0: it. dude. Got so drunk. We went out to like an art, uh, like uh they have parties in like a in basically what Zagreb's like Central Park is like a, um, and there was like music and uh vendors. So we got like more beer when I went to this art park. And then we went to another place and I got another beer. And then like I got so hammered. We're flying home the next day. I wake up in the morning. I'm so fucking hung over. It's ridiculous. And I'm like, I have a nine hour flight today <laughs> to go back to Toronto. And I'm like, and then we have breakfast this like the the most expensive breakfast we had because we were staying at a fancy hotel in Zagreb. Eat this breakfast, go up to the hotel room everywhere for like (laughs) for like i puked everywhere (laughs) like like everywhere for like you know it was it was so much and i just is this too much information from people? I don't know. This is who I am. But like I threw up everywhere and I was the most hungover I've been in like a long time. And I'm like, great. I got to go sit on a fucking airplane for nine hours now. Did you feel better though after? Oh, after I threw up. Yeah. Doesn't that make you feel so much better? Anyone who's ever done that? (laughs) Like it's just, it really does. Like you feel so out of it the whole morning or your stomach's off. And Nevis and I got McDonald's the night before after we were hammered too. So it was just like, I felt so much better after I threw up, but like also still very hungover. So like that dull headache and just tired and stuff like that. And I knew I wouldn't be able to sleep on the plane or anything. Uh, so there was that. Oh, also McDonald's. And so we can talk about other stuff. Um, uh had hot corn Doritos, <laughs> uh, had some uh, really crappy Starbucks iced coffee. Um, the hot corn Doritos really good. Their Doritos are more like, Taste like tortilla chips. Does that make sense? Like they yeah. taste like a Tostito or something with flavoring on them. Like they're actually taste like corn chips. more. Something you'd almost Doritos get like at,
1: at a restaurant is like a, uh, you know, like a, yeah. like a cider appetizer. But with
0: thing. the Doritos seasoning on it. Where our Doritos, I don't know what, but they taste way different. Like They're more processed. Taste, and- yes. Everything is a bit more processed in North America. Like that's what I'm noticing. Uh, although they're iced coffees in Europe. Not really a thing. They Everyone drinks espresso. They don't really have like, you know, a big vat of coffee that you can get either hot or cold, but especially cold. Whenever you order a cold coffee, they either think it's like a frappuccino kind of thing or like ice cream with espresso, which is delicious. I had that as dessert a lot of times, which is um, an affogato. Um, but if you wanted like iced coffee in the morning, that's not really like a thing there. They'd either give you like hot coffee that they poured over ice and then it's just kind of that piss warm coffee or it's just like, it's, or it's just not really a thing. But in Croatia, it's called leda kava, And like the one place I could get it how I know it from home was McDonald's. So McDonald's had lead in a cava, a big version of it, even though it was made with espresso. So it was kind of like an iced latte they would make you. Um, but it was good. It was unsweetened. Um, and it was just perfect. And it was like the perfect size. It wasn't like 30 ounces of Starbucks that I'm used to, but it was like a good size where everywhere else would be a tiny espresso or, or something like that. So uh the other thing I want to shout out McDonald's in Europe I always say it every time I go I'm always blown away because it's it's nice there like it's actually not treated as it's like a garbage facility <laughs> like in 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 Europe like they're so clean they have nice cafes the bathrooms are nice like the food feels fresher and like real where it's like they treat McDonald's like it's one of their only fast like chain fast. It's like the only chain fast food option. I think there's some Burger King's and KFCs and stuff, but Papa John's McDonald's <laughs> is the one thing that's consistent. Only usually in the bigger cities, not the smaller ones, but um it's the one thing that's consistent and they treat it with care and like respect and it feels like it's like no, this has to be good because it's like I don't know, the quality control is just way better. So uh you don't feel weird sitting down in one of them. You can order a beer. Speaking of the pulp fiction conversation, that is a real thing. You can get a uh Royale with cheese with a beer. Uh one of the first things we did when we got into Croatia because it's comfort food and we didn't we were driving three hours to go to uh Nevis's parents' place that we stopped at a McDonald's. I had a beer and a and a burger and stuff, and it was just great. And I went to McDonald's like multiple times just whenever you wanted something quick or i was waiting for nevis one morning so i went and got breakfast or something there just because it was breakfast isn't really like a huge thing in europe either like eggs aren't really a big thing a lot of it's like at least in croatia is like a lot of deli meat and like sandwiches and stuff like that which isn't necessarily my thing in the morning but uh mcdonald's rules uh we tried the Mick Country, which is uh something that they had there, and the and the big tasty, uh, which were pretty <laughs> good. So uh no, I had to I have to show you one of the sandwiches or at least read what it was called. It's hilarious. But oh juicy julia was one of the sandwiches. Why are these <laughs> like, why is um, why are these
1: things like so suggestive?
0: I know, but the juicy julia, I didn't try the juicy julia, but I did have the big tasty and the mick country. Uh, um, so oh God, don't want to um, screw that one up. So, um, the McCountry was like, uh, pork patties instead of beef patties. And it had like this sauce on it and it was, it's like a McDouble, but with pork patties and a different sauce, delicious. Um, Nevis had the McFresh for breakfast, which was, she's not a big egg person. So it was like a breakfast sandwich with sausage, patty, tomato, lettuce, sauce, and just like fresh ingredients. And she loved that because We don't really have that kind of thing here. Here it's just like egg, sausage, bacon, no sauce, cheese or whatever here. Uh, But they had the classic sausage McMuffin, egg McMuffins, uh, although they tasted slightly different. Um, But we went to McDonald's multiple times, but usually I would just stop in to get an iced coffee because it was like one of the only places I could uh, go get one. But their McCafe section is really nice too. Like They have like beautiful desserts and croissants and stuff like that that you don't feel weird about ordering. Um. So shout out to McDonald's in Croatia because it was uh actually legitimately good. And then I got a Big Mac. The last oh, Neva's got a chicken Big Mac. That was a the thing there. So it was a Big Mac, but chicken sandwich patties or whatever. So there's and two chickens, I, like two two chicken, like think of two McChicken patties where the burger. But it wasn't a McChicken patty because I feel like it was better than a McChicken patty. Um, but it was two chicken sandwiches with the Big Mac sauce made like a Big Mac and I had a bite and I'm like, this is delicious. I'm like, why don't we have this here? And my sister had a Big Mac for the first time because she got the chicken Big Mac because she doesn't really eat beef or anything and red meat. At McDonald yeah. At McDonald's she would only get uh, chicken nuggets mostly or a chicken sandwich. So she tried the chicken Big Mac for the first time and and, and loved it too. So um, yeah, it's cool to go try like different things that you don't have here, especially at like an American chain restaurant or or, or something like that. See how they do it over there. So uh, those are my most exciting food escapades. Other than that, it's like a lot of chavapi or these little sausage links, things that are really good. Um, ate a lot of seafood so i had octopus and a lot which is delicious and uh not a big fish guy but once in a while uh, we went to a nice winery and had like a really fancy dinner um it's great man food was amazing so um that was it hot corn doritos (laughs) (laughs) saw some weird chips like some pringles like um the picante uh paprika doritos really good or not doritos pringles really good uh, i got some uh spicy lays chips that i think were also paprika at one point delicious Uh they love paprika over there too but which is just red pepper but anyways what were you up to the last couple of weeks well uh i mean nothing is as, as oh, right, uh,
1: wonderful uh as 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 that you know the wedding and you know your honeymoon was and you know the uh bougie McDonald's. <laughs> was it's there was good, there any man. seafood dishes that, that were at McDonald's? Cause at McDonald's?
0: Like... Yeah, like they just had the, you know, I don't think they really did. Like it was more pork. Like pork is a bigger thing over there. Yeah. Um that like they had a lot of burgers that were like pork patties, which almost tasted like the McDonald's pork breakfast sausage, but um were in different sandwiches and stuff like that. So When it came to seafood, I didn't really look. They had like these big fancy burgers that had like pesto and they had a lot more veggie options, which we don't really have here, like veggie patty kind of burgers and stuff like that. But the seafood options, I didn't really um, see too much of. I'm looking right now. Um,
1: because I get like oh, the, the further you go out East in Canada, like you can get like the Mc Lobster. Like yeah.
0: Which I don't think was really a thing there. Yeah. The big tasty. We had that. Um, <laughs> these, these names are yeah. amazing. Yeah. the the country had that. They have something called a chicker. I don't know what that is. Tasty cheese. We had that too. Um, then they just have the filet of fish. So they don't really have like a, a, a seafood options really there.
1: Now when you got back, how soon did you have uh, an iced coffee?
0: Uh, the next morning. I didn't go right away. And I've been like been going to different places. So I got the Wendy's one yesterday. Um and then Starbucks a couple times. Tim's is the easiest thing. So I've been going through the gamut of different iced coffee since I've been back. So I almost need another one right now. I'm starting
1: to I'll hit right that wall. Know. Yeah. I mean, a we just finished bit. recording uh, the Thor Love and Thunder review. So but you we've guys can go check it out right now.
0: Yeah. But I love I mean, I missed <laughs> I I did miss doing this. It's been so long. So um, even though it it's sort of work, but not really. But I did miss doing it.
1: Yeah, same. It, it was, it was, I mean, it, I was really happy to see, you know, like all the, the Instagram and Twitter um, posts and things like that. But yeah, you know, you were missed and, and it was just really lovely kind of like getting to see all that kind of happen, you know, with the six hour difference. And um, yeah. it was, yeah, it was, it was just, it was nice. Cause like you know on 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 this side like you know we we still had some stuff that was kind of being posted as they were away and you know we were coordinating that so if you want to go back and if you haven't seen you know like our um you know light year review or our cha-cha
0: real smooth review yeah your episode or- with uh with cooper, cooper uh Rife. Rife. Yeah. yeah it was it was great
1: yeah and then like the uh the Lightyear um animators as well was really lovely yeah. to talk to them. Good so there there was stuff days. there and like but it was also cuz like oh you know like it would have been really nice to kind of like have you kind of like as you know you know co-interviewing cuz I feel like the Daniels interview that we did was was so really well done and engaging. So um but yeah it but it was again like it was just it was really lovely to see you know for those those few weeks like you and nevis like you know having planned this for so long and having so many delays and obviously all of them being out of your guys control and and you know with the pandemic and 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 things like that kind of finally coming together and it was just also really nice to see like you know everybody really just like happy you know and 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 because i mean you know while you were in north america it seemed like at least in the US everything is turning to shit. Uh, you know, with
0: which has you know, been for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Roe Ro v Wade Rovers, yeah. and
1: and and you know, gun control and things like that. And then just like on like, you know, personally, I, I, I talked a little bit about it in in, in the Cooper thing. But like, um you know, my grandfather's really sick right now and and, you know, he I'm you know, my family is looking into palliative care for him. So it's it's you know, it's 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 very sad and and upsetting and and so you know when and when you get any good news or get to talk to someone like you or 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 you know my brother kyle who right now is working on uh his short film which is in post-production uh called heap which is wonderful as well those things kind of um help keep you going and so you know like that's something that is just really uh important to to have something um to look forward to, or, or, or just, you know, be happy for somebody else. So, um, yeah, those, those few weeks, like nothing big happened here, you know, I, I'm trying to think of like anything like yeah. major. So.
0: No, I mean, even me keeping up with things, um, uh, you know, on the entertainment side of stuff, like I watched the Barry finale, which was fucking incredible. It was so good. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> which like the six hour time difference made things interesting. Um, so I would watch Miss Marvel and Obi-Wan Kenobi basically as they dropped on the service because it was 9 a.m. in Croatia, which would be 2 a.m., uh, 3 a.m. your time and midnight on the West Coast. So um, I, although I got busy and couldn't watch things right away. So certain things I waited a couple of days and, and watched and watched them, like whether it was on my laptop with beautiful scenery in the background and stuff like that or with Nevis or something like that. So been enjoying Miss Marvel. Um, you know, I, I think it's. I've tweeted it a couple times. Like, I think it's up there for one of my favorite MCU uh, Disney Plus series. I think it's not perfect, uh, which is what you also, I think, tweeted, Eric. But like, I think it's just consistently like. Iman Velani's great. Uh, I love how, the look of the show, the music, the cast of characters. I think of her friends and the people she interacts with, and her family dynamic is so perfect um i think the you can really tell that they're shooting this more on location uh rather than all green screen which is nice because i think you know a lot of marvel stuff when we get more into that cosmic and we talked about in thor and other things like you have to use the volume or or uh green screen a lot you can kind of really start to tell I think more when something's not on it than when something is on it. So I'm really enjoying that. And, and, you know, even going to Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is on the other side of things where obviously a lot of it is shot on the volume and you can kind of tell at times, but uh, I liked how Obi-Wan Kenobi all, all came together. Like, I feel like it's nothing. I don't know if it needed to exist (laughs) and how it like ultimately played out, but like, I enjoyed it. Like I, I don't really have strong feelings one way or another on it. I think it had some good moments and some, uh, I think you and McGregor's great. I thought a lot of the Darth Vader stuff was good. I like that last kind of interaction between the two of them and the melding of Hayden Christensen and and James Earl Jones voice and and, and stuff like that, I think was kind of cool with the way that they showed his helmet and his one eye and that last fight that they have. But um, you know, I could have done without a a lot of it but i i enjoyed it i never i haven't even talked to you about it like what did you think overall i was kind of disappointed with it yeah um,
1: I, I think miss marvel and and i mean barry is on another level Yeah, it barry comes is to, just, we should just this season is that. just incredible like i barry I, like, is
0: one of the most perfect uh seasons of television i've watched it's just it was so amazing and talking to people about it as well like kyle Brought up some
1: stuff that he was listening to interviews with Bill Hader afterwards, and like Hader talking about the dynamic between Barry and 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 Gene uh, um, uh, Henry Winkler's character, and sort of the dynamic throughout this Cusino. season. Yeah, Gene Cousineau, <laughs> uh, who opens a Quiznos, uh, which would be amazing. But like, I loved that dynamic, and like, weirdly, how you know the student becomes the teacher, and there's this weird underlying resentment of gene kind of being this hack actor and acting teacher for so long and he finally becomes good because this hit man basically forces him to and threatens his life and there's this weird resentment it's like how dare you you know come out of nowhere and do this and like that underlying kind of sort of anger um, not only for what barry's done in, in past seasons but just the way that some sequences are shot there's one highway sequence specifically where I was just kind of blown away by how not only exciting it was because it kind of felt spontaneous and real, but the choreography in how yeah. Hater picks certain shots when he's directing episodes or when he's working with, you know, the other directors that are on the season
0: It never, it never
1: goes where you think it is. And like, you think it's going to go somewhere and then it takes you into this other realm that is sometimes frightening. I mean, we were talking about Thor, Love and Thunder. I was going to bring
0: up that's exactly the point that I just was waiting to jump in where I'm like, Bill Hader has shown that he can do that and do it masterfully. And I know it's not all him like, but next season he is directing every episode, but he did direct like the bulk of the or half of them this season. Um, and then his writing partner wrote, did the other half, right? Yeah. Uh, He, he writes the series with, so Bill Hader is a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's a master of that, that that show had such a, such great pacing to it. And it can be both funny and disturbing and thrilling and emotional. And like, that's exactly what we were saying in, in Thor love and thunder that Taika doesn't really have a great grasp on, right? Like where, the really silly like there are some very silly bits in Barry. Like like very Well No Ho Hank
1: is that perfect example yeah. where he is kind of a caricature, but then at the same time, there's more emotional depth and 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 a resonance there. And then where he is in that last episode is both frightening in an almost david lynchian kind of manner yeah. when in in one scene specifically and also kind of heartbreaking and tragic as well and it's just amazing how that this storyline this season was rewritten because hater had more time because of the pandemic to kind of go back and sort of reevaluate certain sequences and scripts and sort of you know, rewrite from, from that first stage. And you can tell that there's a lot of thought going into every scene and every character arc throughout this entire season and how, you know, we see people like Sally's, you know, story pay off in a way that's really unexpected and also like frustrating, but kind of captures, you know, the, the, the industry as a whole when it comes to how algorithms dictate certain things. And, you know, I love, love the, comedic sort of you know butt of the joke that steven root's character you know enters where like he he can walk away from this whole thing and he just can't help himself but like try to get back at barry <laughs> and all the supporting cast like robert yeah. wisdom popping up in a couple of episodes here and there joe montagna you know like it's just <laughs> playing like, it's, himself it's, it's amazing and 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 it kind of yeah. could be gimmicky or stunt casting and it never is like it feels like everybody whether they're playing you know um, themselves or, or, or like even like just like the smallest, like cameo, of like Mark Paul Gosler, who's best known as, as uh, Zach Morris. Um, sure. In, a, in one a, yeah. scene with Henry Winkler, like it's, it's so well done and thought out. And, and like, yeah, that season for me, like I love RRR and everything everywhere all at once, but I feel like Barry, like truly is kind of coming close to like that twin peaks return where it's totally it's better yeah. than almost anything I've seen in the last
0: couple of years. I agree. Yeah. It was incredible. I can't wait for the next season. I can't wait to see what else Bill Hader does like after this. Like I'm sure he'll be pretty focused on Barry until it's it's over, but I would love to see him. Obviously, he loves movies, tons of references in Barry to movies that he loves as well and and different filmmakers and, and stuff like that. So I would love to see him tackle a feature. I think would be awesome, even though Barry each season is like a is a feature to your point too. So, yeah, Barry. If you're not watching Barry, go go catch up. They're like, t- and what he's able to do in like half hour episodes is like is is mind blowing. Really, like there is more packed into that one season of Barry, which are like what ten twenty two minute episodes or nine or ten or something like that. And then what you know, any Marvel show or or well, know, even Stranger yeah, Things. Look stranger at that. Look things, at like yeah.
1: Those episodes being oh, oh, extended. Oh, there's something else we can talk about too, for though. for for season four. But the way that Hader and, and Berg are able to use their runtime man, create a dense, full experience in each episode and each bit that both serves the overall season and also the individual episode, and how things naturally kind of play out in maybe one or two scenes. Yeah, there's so many sort of small conflicts that resolve in satisfying ways that like through this whole thing, you're just wondering to yourself, how the hell did he pull that off? Because that yeah. is impossible to do. And it makes yeah. you want more like, like at the end of every episode you're, you're, you're like, okay, like I cannot wait until next Sunday. And yeah. then when you get to that next episode and you've watched it, you feel the same way where like, you're completely satisfied with that one episode, but as an overall sort of arc, you're just like, this is incredible television you mentioned you know haters love of you know film but also like art house cinema and how he's kind of like secretly giving people their their vegetables but covered in like you know uh cheese because it's it's like it's good for you but at the same time he's kind of sprinkling you know a lot of the 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 filmic and television kind of knowledge that we you know north american audiences have and yeah you're just you're just like this show and his performance, I think like that's another thing that I was truly like this whole series I have been so surprised. Like I've always liked Bill Hader, but like
0: yeah.
1: what he does on this show, I was like, okay, this is as good as any you know Oscar-winning performance by you know a thespian actor. Like that transformation is both dangerous and personable and and him kind of working on himself, but also trying to help others, but then also fucking up and, you know, he's he, – everybody in this is a very complicated and fully developed individual and nobody's mm-hmm. just one thing.
0: Yeah. Totally agree. Go watch it. Fuck, I love the show. Uh, it's <laughs> so great. good. It is so uh, good. Yeah, I guess I did miss a lot when it came to television while while I was gone because um you mentioned Stranger Things. We brought up Obi-Wan, Miss Marvel, the boys just wrapped up as well. So like um all that stuff that was premiering around the same time, uh, all kind of wrapped up around the same time too. Uh, The boys, I'll quickly say, I know you don't watch it, Eric. I think you might try to do that this summer, you were mentioning. But I do think it's totally worth it. I think this is the best season yet. Uh, Again, another show that uses its runtime so perfectly. They are one-hour episodes, but like... Again, I go back to the MCU stuff and I know we sound like we're harping on it and I, I do really like Miss Marvel and, and and things like that. But I, there's something in those six episode series that I always feel like they're rushing near the end or they have so many things to wrap up and they don't feel like... Or they cut corners, like, right? Yeah. Like it, it really does feel like it's missing something. But then I look at these other shows and they full, feel fully developed each episode and each season and like how much how they use their budget and their locations and and different things like that. Like, I think the boys does a really good job at that stuff. I think the satire in the boys, while extremely on the nose at times, like it works for the show that it is. It's basically just presenting you, at, you know, how shitty the the United States is for the most part um with super and just putting it on with a superhero lens so it's not necessarily giving you anything super deep Ah, that's a a pun because there's a character named the deep played by chase crawford (laughs) um but like it's but it presents it in such a entertaining way and in such a engaging way that you kind of don't mind that it is pretty surface level because it's just going okay what if You know, if Donald Trump was Superman, that's basically what Homelander is. And it's just like, uh, that is so compelling. And it's like, you know, the evil Superman thing has been done over and over and over again. But Anthony Starr is just, he's so fucking good and disturbing and, um, you know, it places you in what feels like a believable world because they don't have to do a ton of world building. It's just like, what if superheroes existed in the world we are in today? And I think that just has made... And then you have interesting superhero stories on top of that. So on top of the social commentary, on top of the satire, you just have a, well, we need to stop evil Superman, which is the simplest superhero story right and then that's the crux of like keep it simple but you layer that on with these other things and then you have a compelling complex kind of uh superhero story and i think that's kind of so smart of you know take the world's most popular medium or genre it's become a genre of itself which is superheroes and then take you know, the state of the world and that social commentary and smash those things together. And I think like it's modernizing the boys and it's one of the most shocking and disturbing shows I've ever seen at times. Like I don't really get surprised by violence and gore or sex or any of that stuff, but the place that show goes to some places that are taboo and I'm, I'm shocked that they go there and uh, they really go for it. And um, I, I think, Seth Rogen and and Evan Goldberg just have like a really good grasp. They're producers on the show and then you have um the guy who did Supernatural, Eric Kripke, I think yeah. is his name, uh who is the the showrunner and that's why you have someone like Jensen Ackles in this season as, you know, a, a satire of Captain America and um and I think it just, you know, it works both on the like, oh, I know what superhero they're making fun of, but then they also kind of do their own thing and I um really really enjoying the boys and if you're not watching it you should uh definitely go back on amazon primate well you brought up invincible when i was talking to you about it and very different where invincible is a superhero story through and through it's just told with like a kind of an adult lens and 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 stuff like that but um and you know the characters that
1: they're kind of either mimicking or or kind of using like as a counterpoint like same thing with watchmen or or you mentioned like evil superman we've gotten a lot of that with You know, the boys and Invincible and even the which isn't very good, but, you know, Brightburn and like it's just interesting that nowadays, in order to make a Superman character work, you have to kind of make them somewhat dark. I mean, even Zack Snyder's Superman, you know. kills people goes to yeah yeah
0: exactly so and i think the boys and invincible are two excellent examples of how to do that in very different ways right like i think omni man and homelander are very different but both equally scary and just like doing completely different things so if you want some superhero counter programming that isn't just the dc or marvel kind of uh and i like You know, I I love the MCU. Everyone knows that. So like, I like the popcorn movie, just like typical superhero story, world building, save the world stakes are there, but you know, the main characters aren't really going to go anywhere until they, you you know, they're going to go somewhere. So like the boys in invincible, I think are, if you're looking for something that takes that and, and does something unique with it and something different and shocking and, uh, unpredictable, then, um, Go check out the boys. I put well. Peacemaker been, in there as uh, well. Peacemaker, yeah, which is and, DC, but they have yeah. been able to kind of break that mold a little bit, right? And, and even
1: with uh, Harley Quinn coming back, I, oh like yeah. that's something that is kind of you know, yes, it's within the you know a very popular section of comic book branding, but it's doing something that's a little bit outside of the purview of what we're getting in the mainstream kind of blockbuster avenue. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And shout out for, to DC for, you know, and Watchmen, it's uh, a DC property as yeah. well. Um, Damon Lindelof's Watchmen, go check that out too. But uh, I've been itching to rewatch Watchmen. I've been itching to rewatch Invincible. Uh, I'm so pumped for Harley Quinn coming back, like you said, and I know they're shooting Peacemaker season two. I think they're starting very, very soon. So And they also um, announced he, a, an Amanda Waller series as well with Viola oh, did Davis. They? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. There you go. Um Yeah, Invincible, I hope we get soon. I I don't know. It's probably going to take a while, but I cannot wait. And I think I will wait until Season 2 gets announced for that rewatch, because I'll just rewatch it leading into Season 2. But I love Invincible, and I can't wait for it to come back. I know they started doing the voice recording, so that means that they're sort of starting to put it together. But I know animation takes... Quite some time, especially with hour long episodes like with Invincible. So, uh, and then finally, Stranger Things, which I know we were both did we actually review the first half? Yes, forget, did we put out a review? I'm looking this Uh, up, or did we just I'm looking it up too? Did we do a Stranger Things? Yeah, we we did. did. Okay, yeah, we did. We did. We did a part one review. (laughs) So, that's how um, memorable it was. (laughs) Maybe I don't think we necessarily need to do a part two review at this point. We can just keep it in here. Maybe I'll put it as a separate. Time code, Um, yeah. Part two came out, which was two episodes, basically two little mini movies—one an hour and twenty minutes, one two hours and twenty minutes. Um, And I will say, I I was with you, and I know we were both kind of mixed negative on the part one uh, of the season, and I feel mostly the same as the season has ended. Um, I think it is overstuffed uh, I have a lot of the same complaints I had in part one that weren't necessarily resolved with like too many plot points uh, feels you know way too bloated and overstuffed and um, the pacing was all off because of that um, but I will say I gotta be honest I liked the finale quite a bit uh, watched it on the airplane with Nevis on the way home and I was surprised. I'm like, you bastards. Like I was pretty negative on this season and they somehow made it work for me in that final episode, like where I did think things came together pretty well. I did think it was thoroughly entertaining. Um, I liked the final battle with Vecna. I liked the pacing of that final episode. Um To me, it did really feel like, um, almost a feature film, uh, of stranger things in that last episode. And we did watch it in two parts. So that maybe helped even like we took a break to eat the plain food, the shitty plain food that came through. And then I, we finished the episode after right at the, we paused at the perfect, uh, time. Um, so I ultimately liked that final episode, but I don't think it helped salvage. I think an otherwise bloated and, um, messy season of stranger things so um and then where it leaves off i'm like i, I don't know like it it leaves it in a spot where it's like okay yeah, yeah I, all right i get it sure and then i wish they committed more to you know having some stakes cuz i feel like it's the same thing over and over again of here's a new character that we're introducing so we can kill them off because we don't have the balls to kill off any of the main cast. So I don't know. I, I, those are my issues with it. Otherwise I enjoyed the finale. I didn't care for the episode before that. Cause I felt like it was just again, more <laughs> like, yeah, it's just more. All right, let's fucking get to the point where I feel like if we got to this last episode a little bit quicker, I feel like this season I would have maybe enjoyed a lot more because I did, I did ultimately like, I liked the master puppets thing even though it's very silly like again I I liked I don't know like I liked the battle with Vecna I liked the team's coming together and I thought it really like I really got hyped when they had the 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 techno version of running up the hill and you had uh um hopper with the sword with the demi gorgon you had the different groups all attacking who they were supposed to and like that all really worked for me like i actually got super hyped in that moment i was like oh this is fucking awesome i really like this i just wish the build up to this a little tighter so anyways that was my thoughts on stranger things yeah i thought
1: it was a pretentious uh over bloated um extended um a Nightmare in Elm Street movie and like done in, in the most kind of contrived manner possible to the point where those last episodes, you know, you mentioned sort of the cutting between, you know, the storylines kind of converging together, almost verged on parody to the, 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 it's so self-referential and pretentious and indulgent in how it handles the characters and treats them like they are, really emotionally sort of binding to not only the stories that we've seen in these, you know, four seasons, but also to you who like, you know, when you watch it, it's like, okay, this is fine, disposable entertainment and what have you. And I get what it's referencing and what, you know, the, 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 the heart it's wearing on its sleeve. But then when you have a moment that could be really something worthwhile, it kind of just steps away and it's like, I, we can't go there because it's either too much. And then when it is also trying to say something about, you know, race or sexuality or something that is, a, a you know, social commentary, it also fumbles there and is kind of awkwardly kind of suggestive of what it is doing. Like there's this whole sort of sequence where you have... Caleb and and Erica being wrestled by these two like you know Caucasian jocks who are like your classic kind of like asshole vigilante types and it's trying to do something with that and it just kind of fails miserably in one moment in particular and I just felt like a lot of the heavy lifting does also come from not only you know Kate Bush is running up that hill this year but like any time there's like a a music cue it's almost like okay well you know you love this song especially like if you grew up in the 80s or or heard it before you know and it's going to kind of carry you into this moment that is going to be more meaningful and then how you know the relationship between Will and Mike like that one scene in the in the van is awful. is, is really offensive like it yeah. is so bad on on not just a you know uh structural um you know character development level but just like this person is having a literal breakdown and mike doesn't even notice like <laughs> yeah. that is bad it's like really that bad, is just yeah. bad writing that is bad directing and the that performances
0: is... aren't great in those no, 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 no. and was no 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 no
1: and 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 i think the performances are very inconsistent. You know, I, I do like, um, Maya Hawk and, and, and Joe, uh, K- Curie. Um, yeah. but, Steve's but, great. Yeah. but again, like for, for all of that, it's like, you, these episodes could be 30 to 40 minutes and, I'd be fine, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think because it is extended, like you're watching one episode and by the time you get to the end of one episode, you feel like you've watched three. And I feel like that is where the kind of pretentiousness comes into play, comes into play because it's like, we're giving you this, you know, grand story. That's all going to come together. Like all the stuff in Russia could have been cut down.
0: I, I, yeah, I agree by half and like by three quarters. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And like the stuff with, again, with, you know, Mike mike, the and the boys, mike and the boys, dirty Mike and the
0: boys, <laughs> dirty Mike and the skeletons, yeah.
1: Um, could have been cut out, and like even the kind of like even the stuff with Eleven, like I just all the backstory
0: could have been cut. It's yeah, like, it, I, you need some of it. You made a joke like, about like,
1: comparing it to Lost with you know Matthew Modine tattooing people, like yeah. that's literally like the Lost episode where we learn how Jack got, I'm like, did we tattoos. need more Matthew
0: Modine? I'm like, we no, got he's terrible. Matthew, we got enough of him in season one that, like, Uh, you know, you could have told that backstory in like a really like one episode. Like somehow you didn't need to spend as much time as you did. Like I get why, because of the connection with Vecna and stuff like that. But like, and I even like, I'm fine with like even retconning things. And you know, the whole Spectre, it was, I was the author of your pain the whole time, James, (laughs) like, like kind of stuff. Like it, it, it never usually works, but like, I'm always kind of like, all right, cool you can go back and be like it was him all the whole time it was sandman that killed uncle ben yeah (laughs) yes exactly and i'm i'm mostly okay with that kind of stuff but like it also i'm like don't spend so much fucking time getting there and like i think that was my biggest issue so I'm, i'm with you i think we're you know, I am more on your side than maybe the the most of the people who are but on the super positive side. But. I'm glad you enjoyed it though. Like I yeah. I, I I wish the I got more I out of it the because finale like was I the first episode that I did. I
1: think like I I think Joseph Quinn like is is good as as Eddie Munson. Like I get that. It, it, you know, like I like Maya Hawk. I always like seeing Paul Reiser who's actually I think very good and he's in The Boys too, isn't he, right? Mhm. Yeah, so, you know, like, he's one of those guys who, like, you look at, like, obviously the Duffer brothers cast him because of something like Aliens, and in Aliens as Burke he is such a fucking asshole but in this, he's a very nice, subtle complicated person and I felt like that was the kind of character work that should have been done throughout this entire series in, the, in this entire season and, like, the stuff with Max, it's just like we've only been introduced to her in one season before and, and nothing against Sadie Sink, but it's like, we, I don't care about put, Max. Yeah. Yeah. To put that much emphasis on her, it of just kind of thing. Yeah. It doesn't work.
0: No, I forgot. You know? I'm like, Oh yeah. Billy. Okay. I'm like, yeah, I, just, I agree with you there. You gotta, I think you gotta focus on the, ori- the original characters. Like Max doesn't do much for me. Um, And like, even then commit to it, like, it's just, sure. She gets her Han Solo moment. They go Empire Strikes Back with the whole thing. But like, I, I don't know. I I agree. Like, I think even Millie Bobby Brown recently came out in an interview and was like, you got to just commit to fucking killing some people. (laughs) Like you gotta, if you want some stakes in your show, I'm like, what were the stakes in this, in, in this season? You spent so much fucking time to get there. I'm like, give me something like you can't just keep introducing stunt casting and then not not always stunt casting, but just a new character. And then that be the thing that um, you're like, oh, this person we just knew for the last. Sure, this season felt like 100 hours long, but like, I don't know. I just you got to I know that they're children still for the most part, but like, uh you've killed other kids off before just like try to do something to give me a little bit it doesn't need to go full game of thrones but like give me a little bit of reason to to be scared like because once you even matthew modine
1: right like in season one it's like okay you think he's he's done but the way that they kind of like bring him back they don't really even give you that much of an explanation Explanation. how he survived the Demigorgon. it's just like okay he's he's back and i would not be surprised if somehow he survived being shot oh, yeah, sure. spoiler alert um but yeah even vecna yes. it's just such a lazy ripoff of freddy cougar to the point where it's like let's get robert england to be his dad his in dad. one scene <laughs> it's just like okay i could be watching the nightmare on elm street films which you no know, they're not masterpieces by any means but at least when they were being made there was a little bit of an effort to be kind of fun and creative with even just the death sequences and yeah, the we dream sequences. About part
0: one yeah where the There's,
1: there's not a lot there, and there's not a lot even in the in the final in the final even two yeah, episodes
0: And the Upside Down. I said this to Nevis when we were watching, where I'm like, I don't understand the rules of the Upside Down. Like, they have guitars and a guitar amp that you can plug in, but <laughs> like, and play noise out of. I'm like, I just. I don't understand. I get it's like a mirror world kind of thing, but like, well, like do
1: bullets even work? Like, cause they're trying to yeah. get guns at one point, which is also something that's kind of a little bit like, it's not necessarily the series fault, but right now where, again, where America where to is and we have
0: store. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know and mean, you're and kind of like selling them to children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I'm like the rules of the upside down. It's not even that interesting looking. Um, and then I just don't, I just don't, Get like how it works, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, anyways, I don't know. You're not I'm, supposed I'm... to get how it works because probably sure. the Duffer
1: brothers don't even know how it works, well, just kinda it just kind of looks cool. Five, because I will we say, season... of un- under the skin,
0: season five of them all coming back together. I guess I'm more interested in because I do feel like separating everyone for this season wasn't like a super great choice because of that messy cutting between 11 different storylines. Um, but i don't know man i'm i'm happy that season five will be the end of it um i've enjoyed the ride i'm uh but i'm okay with it being done and then in 20 years they'll all come back so um which is just the circle of life at this point so um which i don't like i guess it will be nostalgic for the 2000s when they come back in 2000 like Cause then, like that season will take place, which I'm sure it'll involve some sort of bullshit time travel thing or something, so they can go to a different time period. But, um, or it'll just we're all take listening place to corn and puddle of puddle of blood. So. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I hope we get a sequence where someone's playing some Creed. Yeah, Hopper um, Hopper
1: is just like, Have you heard about limb Biscuit? This band yeah. is amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's a whole sequence where they're killing a demigorgon to Nookie. Um, so, i, I actually know. think that would be good you're <laughs> selling me on this uh you watch anything else uh i i mean yeah i watch a lot of stuff what? that 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 um, we didn't review and shit like yeah that that's on rogers
1: that you can see like marcel's shoes Plug on it, and stuff like that so just go to rogerstv.com slash cinema scene but rrr which is available on netflix at least in Canada, i think it's also in in the u.s as well yeah. Um, the Hindi version, uh, is there. So the Telugu, um, one, I which did is... find
0: a streaming site on Z5. Z5, Z five, Yes. So Z or Z E E five, there's a streaming service where you can watch the original language at Telugu. Is that what you said? Yeah. Tel- yeah. Um, on there, which I did subscribe. Uh, Eric and I are going to watch that version uh, at some point. Nevis really wants to see it too. You've had you watched the Hindi version on yes uh, on Netflix, okay? And cool.
1: I loved every second of it. It was one of those movies where you know, like, there's it's been building over the past few months because it's kind of one of the few crossovers. Every once in a while, you know, you'll hear because Bollywood and Hollywood cinema is its own sort of world the way that like quebecois cinema in in canada you know like you it's its own kind of thing and it's it's supported but it never really breaks out in the rest of canada and so when you see something like rrr kind of crossover box office wise and people are constantly talking about it especially you know the theatrical experience unfortunately i didn't get to go to the royal um the presentation that peter kaplowski and justin DeClue kind of set up but Watching the movie, you know, this historical fiction of these two guys in the 1920s, um, Beam and, and, and Rom, you know, kind of come together and, and fight uh colonialization and, and the British specifically, it is so much fun. It's always exciting. It's always moving at a clip. It is beautifully composed. The action sequences... And the geography of any scene is so perfectly put together and coherent. You understand where everything is going on. And even though the VFX is not great necessarily, like it's not realistic, it's used in an interesting way. Like there's one moment in particular that I just shouted and I went, I have never seen anything like this before in a film. And it, it's just a blast. And it's one of those movies where like, I really do hope that um, the light box or the Royal will play it again. Um, the only place it was playing originally in, in Canada was um, at one theater in Etobicoke. Um, so it's, it's one of those films where it is long and it is melodramatic in the kind of style that maybe, you know, you're not used to. And some of the storylines are kind of revealed to you you know about halfway through the film the title credit the 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 three R's doesn't come up until like 40 minutes into the film um i'd love to see it (laughs) but it is just such a stylish fun movie and you're watching and you're thinking to yourself like ram sharon who plays Raja ram in the film is incredible in this movie like this is a guy who like i've never seen him in anything else I, i i i don't know like how much more he's been in but like as soon as he comes on screen you are just captivated by him and cool. it is incredible and and ss rajamuli um who directed this movie you know like he's known as kind of like one of the bigger kind of tollywood blockbuster filmmakers this is one of the highest grossing or one of the the, the biggest budgeted um tollywood Tamil movies with you know i think 72 million dollars and you just watch this thing and you're like north american blockbuster filmmaking is nowhere near you know between between this and and top gun maverick it's just like you look at these movies and you're just kind of like this is the stuff i was missing and it's also just interesting that we're we're in a place right now where maximalist cinema seems to be really kind of bringing people back to the theater so with everything everywhere all at once this and and even though i didn't like elvis like elvis is mitchell's versus the
0: machines turning red yeah. Like okay. there's,
1: there's something where it's just like, let's throw everything and the kitchen sink at the wall and see what sticks. And I think that that's kind of maybe needed to bring back audiences to the theater because it's like, okay, you can only get this experience theatrically, you know, and, and it, yes, you can watch it at home and, and love it. I yeah, still like, enjoy
0: you, it. But yeah, there's something that's to what... that. Yeah, and I know people are digging Elvis, and I think Boz Lerman's always been one of those guys that has been divisive. And I know he works for a lot of people and, and doesn't for others. I'm somewhat in the middle. I'm curious about Elvis because like I think the only reason is that two hour and forty minute uh runtime of why I haven't, you know, uh jumped in yet. Nevis and I almost saw it when we were in Croatia, but like it just didn't work out. And like I'm someone who does like Great Gatsby, who did like Romeo and Juliet. Uh, I'm Moulin Rouge it's been a long ass time but it wasn't really my thing but um, it's interesting you bring, bring that up um, because I went and saw a show called Anne Juliet last night um, which was a kind of in that same Baz Luhrmann kind of uh, camp of it reminded me because it was it reminded me of Moulin Rouge and his Romeo and Juliet smashed together because it's a jukebox musical uh that takes place in a what if situation of what if juliet uh didn't kill herself at the end of romeo and juliet and she lived on and what she would do after romeo died um but it kind of has those modern sensibilities of like it sort of takes place in a modern like uh, world and it has the, all the dialogue is very modern all the songs are from the 90s 2000s and 2010s or whatever of like of pop music and um i thought it was an absolute blast so like and it goes into that maximalist thing i know it's not a movie but like i think it is in that same kind of thing that you're talking about of just going like full out neon using music you recognize just kind of like hyper stylized kind of hyper stylized kind of thing and um nevis and i had an absolute blast seeing it last night it was kind of a spur of the moment thing because um one of my sister 's best friends, Matt Raffy, is in the show um, and Last night he was the understudy for one of the lead roles uh may in in the uh, uh who is juliet 's best friend in the show and because uh the person who originally played may uh got sick like in the opening weekend um Matt was able to go on as May one of the lead characters uh the last couple nights so Sarah my sister was going uh her friend Danielle and and Danielle's boyfriend Larry went so like Nevis and I bought rush tickets for like 39 bucks went over to the Princess of Wales and saw and juliet and uh had a a blast and it reminded me of something like a boz lerman movie and i know that because moulin rouge is kind of a jukebox musical as well uses modern music at that time or different modern as in like not of the time period it takes place in um and this did the same so it has a lot of backstreet boys a lot of britney spears a lot of like like it it uh, was bon jovi like it goes through and like um it, it was a, a absolute riot, and like very funny, um, just incredibly engaging and entertaining. And I think it just will work for so many people because it's that familiarity of the Romeo and Juliet story, um, but it's doing something completely different in going like and playing on that kind of meta "what if." kind of thing like william shakespeare and his wife anne hathaway are um uh which is i guess it was his actual wife's name i didn't know that until this play well the
1: on um, hathaway right like that's kind of yeah. like, yeah
0: yeah i didn't i'm stupid it's um, like mrs
1: harris's husband in the film mrs harris goes to paris <laughs> his name is is ed harris
0: oh really great yeah So same thing here. Um, So William Shakespeare and his and and Hathaway are characters throughout the play as they're kind of rewriting uh, Romeo and Juliet to this version of it. But then they insert themselves into the play and it kind of has that meta narrative almost. uh, It reminded me, William Shakespeare reminded me of like, we'll get to clerks three of the King in Hamilton. Like it had that same sort of vibe to it. Um, And I liked that meta narrative throughout the thing. Um, And then the music was just great. It's just like, uh, you know, jukebox musicals aren't everyone's thing, but like I really kind of dig them because the familiarity from the music and then this lets you easily follow the story, I feel like as well. And I was really impressed with how well they uh, wove the songs into the narrative of the play and made them feel like they were original musical theater songs for the show right like the the dialogue of a lot of the songs were very much integral to the story of the play and i thought that was a very creative way of um which i guess most ju- jukebox musicals do like rock of ages and other things too well, rocket but, man um, right? i mean you rocket look at man how- which is all elton john but like it's still a jukebox musical but um I guess something like rock of ages is more of a comparable because it uses rock music from multiple different artists um, and what like weaves it into the story. So that's what this kind of does. And um, you know, some songs worked better than others. I think I liked more of the like nineties and, and the older music rather than the more contemporary music that they use. Like they use a couple like fairly new songs, whether it's from the weekend or, um, Justin Timberlake or something like that. And I think those maybe I I, I didn't vibe with as much as the other stuff. But um, I'm saying like, I don't see a lot of live theater. I do like live musicals quite a bit, but um, this is kind of reinvigorated being like, oh man, these like, if you can get a rush ticket or something like that, which we did is if you buy it the day of the show, it's like 40 bucks. Um, it's absolutely worth it. And I think uh, people will have a blast with it. Like it's nothing... Like, it's just, you know, I think a really good coming of age story about Juliet, you know, taking control of her own life. And, 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 uh, there's some really, really funny moments. And the production value is great. It has like three big LED screens at the top. And then the set is really beautiful. And it uses pyro and, um, um, and like plays on like uh sorry nevis is texting me some stuff so i was reading it as i said pyro and confetti and all this stuff like really beautifully and like is a very elaborate like like you said in your face kind of um bombastic uh, bombastic show so i highly suggest if you're in toronto it's here until mid august and then it's going to broadway so it's like this is a pre broadway kind of thing engagement to kind of like prep them for their big broadway run and i think it is absolutely worth going to and you'll hear some good music some good performances you know if you like romeo and juliet this is a fun spin on that i think better than um what's the romeo and juliet sundance movie we saw like i know romeo and juliet's been done oh hashtag uh, Uh, R, yeah which is kind of doing a similar thing right of trying to modernize it and stuff like that but like i think this does a better job at you know uh, taking what we know, doing something completely fresh with it. And it's written by one of the writers of Shit's Creek. Um, I saw Annie Murphy randomly in front of a taco place, <laughs> um, not last night, but a couple nights ago. Uh, so I thought that was funny. Um, Cause she must've gone to the opening night. I think I was talking to my sister and Annie Murphy was there on the opening night. Um, and yeah, seeing my sister's friend, Matt, who I know um, uh, in one of these lead roles was awesome. He crushed it. And, Uh, It was an absolute blast. So I highly suggest going to see it. And you said your brother's friend was in it too, right? Yeah.
1: Brandon Antonio uh, has a a role. He's one of the cast members as well. And uh, he's been, it's just been exciting to see him kind of really do well with it. So um, yeah, it's it sounds like a lot of fun. So I'll probably try to catch it if I can in the next month. You or should, so man. Like I know you're not
0: a big theater guy either, though, right? Like, no, um... I'm trying to
1: think of the last time I went to a theater production. It's uh, it's been a while. Like I think I went like to Sweeney Todd once. Um, but yeah, it's th- theater. I mostly appreciate from the point of view of like a film adaptation or something like Same, that. Major, but yeah. I, you know, like we've talked about like the way that you know, it's better to see a live version of something that's been shot, like something like Hamilton than, um, you know, sometimes to see like a, a Rob Marshall adaptation of something. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where like, it does sound like it is a lot of fun and, and Romeo and Juliet, you know, to your point has always been, you know, uh, an inspiration or a foundation for a lot of playwrights or writers to kind of, you know, take, That original concept, or you know, the story of two star-crossed lovers, and then kind of remix it or rewrite it, or or kind of distort it in a way. I mean, obviously, the one that comes to mind as well is is West Side Story. You know, like the way that that kind of you know is basically taking from Shakespeare, but then kind of doing its own thing and building a world out of it. And it kind of sounds like you know this does something similar, where you know Romeo and Juliet is the basis, but then it's also creating something that is yeah somewhat more original or at least kind Mm -hmm. of trying to do something different with it so
0: almost like a sequel with a meta narrative throughout it's it's fun it's a blast i definitely suggest uh anyone uh to go see it and it's um go get those rush tickets you just buy them the day of they're 39 bucks like it's a steal really and then i'm seeing another play in a couple weeks i'm seeing the harry potter and the cursed child on august 2nd so i'll report back with that um pumped to go see that with my whole family. So um, I'm just a little theater boy this summer. So it made me go, man, I actually do enjoy this quite a bit because it is just a completely different experience. Right. Like, and I think musicals are super fun and super engaging. And like, I think I like that more than just like Harry Potter is just, you know, a play. There's no music in it, obviously. But um, I just think musicals, seeing them live, like hearing these people perform it live with the live band and the spectacle of it all is, is so much fun. And like, it reminded me being like, Oh man, like, yeah, when I saw book of Mormon, that was incredible. When I saw Hamilton, that was incredible. Like sure. I'm picking and choosing, you know the best shows that people say are really good but like the populist uh, stuff we're like yeah, you're not gonna and, go
1: see like a you know a, a traditional adaptation of uncle vanya you can watch sure. drive My car instead you yeah
0: know? yeah exactly exactly but i know hamilton's coming back uh, at Mervish. um uh, i do want to see some of the even i've heard the moulin rouge show in in on broadway is incredible uh the mrs doubtfire musical come on gotta go see that <laughs> like uh i'm absolutely down to see that if that ever comes when was here. the last time um, you
1: watched mrs doubtfire the movie
0: it's been a while do you think it doesn't hold up no, <laughs> or like do you think not it, at all it's, like in a problematic way or just not no just just
1: that it's not funny i i think it's right. like when you're a kid you know Robin Williams is much more funnier than when you're an adult looking at him. It's the same thing Mm -hmm. with like Jim Carrey or anybody where like, you know, you, you, there are some cases where it it still is. Like I rewatched, um, the naked gun, uh, two and a half uh, and it still is extremely funny (laughs) that, that movie is wild. Um, I mean the most problematic thing being OJ Simpson, but, um, yeah. But like, yeah, there are just some things from your childhood that like if you if it has been a while and you haven't watched it, maybe go back and double check. Oh, totally.
0: Uh, But I am curious. They turned it into a musical. Uh, Mean Girls is coming uh, to Mervish. I know that which I do want to see that as well. Hamilton's coming back. Um, So, you know. Live theater. I know this is a movie show, but I'm sure *Anne Juliet might get turned into a movie eventually. So we got to wait for cats to come back. Yeah. We get so many movie adaptations of Romeo and Juliet and so many movie musicals that I wouldn't be surprised if this eventually gets turned into something because of the kind of popcorn nature of the whole thing. Uh, Okay, Eric uh, let's go through some trailers and news before we wrap everything up. Uh, over the last month, I don't know what exactly I missed, but I don't think there was many trailers while I was gone, really. like No, there
1: wasn't a whole lot. Like, of, it, it just, I mean, Clerks 3, which was already mentioned.
0: Which is after I got back. So, you know, there's weird ones like Smile, and, which I didn't even know was a movie. Uh, the Bros trailer maybe is while I was gone, or maybe that was right before I left. I think we might have talked about that. But yeah, I, I would say... You know, Clerks Three, Amsterdam, and and The Woman King were the three big ones that all dropped on maybe not of equal <laughs> like on the same level, but like all three of those movies dropped trailers on the same day. Um, which two out of those three I could see, I could see three out of three playing TIFF because of those release dates and stuff. But um, well, you think David
1: O. Russell though is not going to get some I, bad, know. I know,
0: I know that's the one thing. But they haven't that hasn't stopped TIFF. Before or the film industry in general,
1: like it feels like when people talk about it outside of the industry, whether it be journalists or online, like it's a it's a different bubble, right? Like, like people don't care. Like what they're looking at is like, oh, look at this amazing ensemble cast, you know, all working together, and like that's kind of like the take. Movie people know,
0: but yeah, most people just look at look at this incredible cast. They don't really pay attention to directors. I don't think so. And I mean, I think Amsterdam looks. Good, but like it's just uh I I agree with the uh, like David O. Russell's been known to be a fucking asshole for a long time, and then there's all that shit. We well, sexually assaulted uh, yeah. his uh, transgender yeah. Uh, yeah. niece, so and admitted you know. to it. So yeah. <laughs> like that's not cool at all. So no. uh I could yeah, it, I mean, but look at all these people who are still working with him, right? Like I mean, but people still, well, work especially with Christian Blansky Bale, right? Or,
1: who saw or, like you know. Him Amy, Amy Adams, Adams. on yeah. American Hustle verbally abused, like, that. But yeah. like yeah. yeah,
0: and still went back and worked with him, right? So you have people like Taylor Swift, who's in the movie and like who's been a huge advocate of, you know. Of, of stuff like that and that stuff was known about his transgender niece before any of them signed on to that movie right so yeah or the way yeah. he would abuse
1: people like lily tomlin on i heart huckabees or even like stories of like george clooney after working with him who swore he would never work with that guy again like if you yeah. piss off george clooney who seems to be one of the most kind of like <laughs> yeah. laid-back guys you know there's there's something wrong Yeah. There, you know. Um, but but again, like it I think the one thing I did not like about the trailer, just from the point of view of The movie itself. The movie itself, is I don't know if Emmanuel Lebinsky's cinematography is a good match with kind of the chaotic kinetic style of David O. Russell. Like the way that like we think of, of Lubinsky kind of working with Alfonso Cron and Terrence Malick, that kind of like floating kind of camera that uses a lot of kind of um, very clean digital kind of cinematography. It doesn't work period pieces. I think in general need to be shot on film or look like they're shot on film. This just kind of looks like, you know, just talking about, you know, seeing stage plays, this looks just like a like a like a contemporary (laughs) stage play yeah it does and i don't know if that is the desired effect because part of it has you know stage performers with you know michael shannon and and mike myers being in it but it just doesn't look like the two sort of styles gel well together
0: fair yeah but again this this is just from a trailer so so it's hard to say but yeah, um, but David O. Russell's a piece of shit, so that's the takeaway. I thought The Woman King uh, looked really cool. I, I think it's definitely probably going to show up at TIFF with that, what, September 18th release date? That's yeah, it probably will. For, and E1 being one of the distributors, although it's, or sorry, producers, but then it's being released by Sony here in Canada, I believe. Yeah. Just like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was also picked up by Sony. Um but that happens sometimes sony like sony
1: sony canada like they they will pick up some of the indie films that don't um find buyers in canada you know at the script stage or beforehand so like but in the past like they picked up um uh, the end of the tour, the David uh, Foster Wallace biopic with uh, Jesse Heisenberg and uh, Jason Siegel or, you know, in a world with uh, Lake Bell, her directorial mm-hmm. film, you know, like movies mm-hmm. like that, where they aren't necessarily being distributed by Sony in America or even elsewhere, but here they'll pick them up. So they do th- that from time to time yeah. or Tusk, which was yeah. another one that they picked up <laughs> really? as well.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think Woman King looks great. Viola Davis looks very intense. I, I'm assuming this is the real life thing that they base the Dora Milaje after after in, in yeah. Black Panther, right? And then like it, um, but it looks awesome. It looks it looks cool. I'm, I'm the
1: trailer does awesome. kind of play almost like a 90s historical epic. Like it kind of reminded me a little bit of Braveheart, where like sure, it kind yeah. of feels like. Again, like nothing has to be, you know, completely historically accurate when you're making, you know, a narrative film, but like it kind of has that kind of like 90s throwback quality to it where like it could be an awards film, it might not be. Um I know Viola Davis right now kind of, you know, said some stuff about film critics and maybe that's not going to play well. Yeah, she said that film critics are basically useless because people um, we're criticizing her uh, performance in um, uh, the First Ladies series where she plays uh, mm-hmm. Michelle Obama. And it's weird because Viola Davis, for all intents and purposes, has always been a critical darling. You know, like she's always been somebody that the critics have always championed. You know, like mm-hmm. she should have been nominated for Widows. Um, and it was just weird that she had like this point of view where it was like, yeah, critics don't matter at all. And it's like, oh, okay.
0: I mean we don't, I guess.
1: No, we're trash. <laughs> we're just we're just nothing.
0: Um but speaking of cinema, Clerks Three <laughs> dropped their first the first trailer. Snoochie Boochies. Uh, Snoochie Boochies, baby. Um, which I'm not a mad about. I tweeted this. Um it's exactly kind of what I would expect from this. Um, it's hard to say. I, I I'll take this over like a hundred percent of what kevin smith's been doing since clerks two, um where (laughs) yeah you know i just like it's familiar it's probably safe um it'll play with you know like any legacy sequel lately play with nostalgia throwback i hope it just doesn't repeat the same jokes i like the meta narrative of uh of kevin smith actually you know Putting in himself into a movie, like it feels more personal, um even Ooh, with the just, heart attack right the heart attack and making the first clerk's movie in the clerk's universe like i I think that that's almost a perfect legacy sequel concept is what if the people in clerks made the clerk's movie like that seems like oh yeah, that's of course that's what this movie is, um, and then adding in the heart attack thing and having you know a very immature character kind of have a second lease on life and start to maybe finally grow up in his fucking forties or however old uh, he is. Which is Um, the weird thing
1: because when Kevin Smith did make Clerks, he He was was young. Yeah. yeah. And so like, that's the one thing where it's like, okay, like that's where the meta narrative kind of,
0: breaks yeah
1: breaks a little bit because yeah again because kevin smith was this young guy kind of you know maxing out his credit cards and shooting with friends and 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 rewriting and writing a script where you have these older guys now that are kind of like you know quote-unquote past their prime and 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 i
0: like
1: that i like randall i like like that character like i i do feel like in that first clerks movie he's probably one of the better things so
0: i agree and i like you know, uh, the point of these movies is that they were kind of aimless and they didn't have a... Like, even in Clerks 2, I mean, uh, Randall has that trying to figure out his life and what he wants to do and and, and stuff like that, too. And ultimately, they want to buy the quick stop and Jay and help them do that. And I like this of being like, Maybe later, being like, "Well, now we just work at this fucking convenience store." He has this heart attack. Like, I like him, f- much like we talked about in Thor, like finding his purpose and like finding something he's either good at or something like that. So, like, I'm, you know, say what you want about Kevin Smith, like I think, or leaving a
1: footprint of, behind, right? Yeah, like, yes, having exactly, something. Yeah. Like when you're gone to have that one little grasp at more immortality, you know, So people can listen to these
0: look- hundred episodes of the untitled movie yeah. podcast when we're who dead. Who were these jerks? <laughs> our, yeah. Our family can go back and go, Oh, this is
1: who they were. Yeah. My nephew um, Ivor will be like this. <laughs>
0: my uncle was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Like I, I think it's familiar. It's, this is the Kevin Smith that, You know, I I do like I remember when I was younger, really liking early Kevin Smith stuff in the View Askew uh, universe. And like I went back and rewatched a lot of those leading into Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot, which was not good. But like I'm hoping this is more along the lines of like a Clerks 2 than uh, which still isn't a great movie, but is like a it can be fun Um, And I'm just curious to see if, you know, there'll still be a lot of jokes that don't land. And I feel like there's a good chance it's not a good movie, but if I get like, you know, again, if Kevin Smith puts some of his, you know, personal experiences into this, like I feel like there's a chance it could be old school Kevin Smith that I do actually kind of enjoy, even if he's become this kind of, you know, Sort of obnoxious, kind of like uh, you know, blowhard. But um I like old Kevin Smith. And I even like I don't I'm not one of these people who hate Kevin Smith now. Like I think it again, even with he's one of those guys like M. Night Shyamalan that I'm like always kind of cheering for. Like, you know, I think he started off super strong. He had a voice, he had a vibe to his movies, and then he kind of lost that at some point. And then each movie I'm always like maybe you're going to get back to that and maybe clerks is the thing that brings him back to that. I don't know, but
1: yeah, I I don't know. He's one of those guys where it's like, originally it was, it was always kind of cool to root for him because he was an outsider who made it into the Hollywood system. But now it's just like this really kind of horrible facade where it's like, well, he's made it and he's done well for himself. And like, yeah, you know, the heart attack was, was awful and things like that, but it just kind of feels like he's not, he, he, he has everything that he could ever want. And him kind of like going back to the well and saying, Hey, you know, I'm still the, you know, blue collar working filmmaker that I was, you know, 30 odd years ago, you know, today, it just kind of feels disingenuine a little bit um at times. And, and, and again, like I, I'm, I'm hoping that this will be better than, a lot of his output in the last decade or so, and I think that that's where I'm coming from in a more negative way because you know, from *Jay and Silent Bob* reboot to, I mean, even *Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back*, like all of those movies, you know, from from 2001 like to Strike now. <laughs> well, it, when was the last time you watched it?
0: Hey, I, I watched it a couple of years ago. I don't okay. know what I gave it on Letterbox, but like. but like you
1: just look at like again interesting enough voice when he started, but the more he kind of went on, you know, making movies and having success, the more diluted his career was. And he was never, he was never in that same category as someone like a contemporary, like Tarantino or even Robert Rodriguez, you know, like he was just that guy that kind of made the same movie over and over and over again. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Tarantino basically does that too, but, I feel like Smith's sort of strength was his writing, but it seemed to get lazier and lazier and kind of more just like stereotypical over time. And it just never, he never grew up in any way. And like, he's still like a child. The only thing that grew was his bank account.
0: Well, then that's what I'm hoping with this, with even the Randall character mimicking him, that maybe we see a little bit of that growing up. I don't know, but like, that's my hope in it. Will we get that? Who knows? But right. like, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic or I'm curious. Like I, I really do love that first, first clerks movie. Um, I even like clerks too, for what it is. Strike Back. I just looked. I gave it a soft pass. It's not a good movie, but like I think my nostalgia plays into a lot of that, where that's why I give it a soft pass. You I love Mark Hamill as Cock Knocker, um, yeah? Like, <laughs> come on, uh, so it's really bad. dumb. <laughs> it's really stupid. But like, I don't know. I I'm excited. I want to see it. My prediction is that it will play Tiff on the twelfth or uh, the day before it premieres. I bet you it gets a midnight madness premiere, maybe either on the, cause I, I looked at that weird schedule he put out for that. He's doing like a road show release for it. Right. And I think on the 13th and the 16th, he's doing those fandom one night only shows at like cinemas or whatever. And then he's doing a tour for the rest of it. And then there's this weird gap before the Vancouver um, uh, shows where he doesn't have any shows. And I know that's why it's playing in theaters and stuff like that. But I have this weird feeling that, you know, he's been at TIFF with Tusk. He's been there for Zach and Mary make make a porno that like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those night before it comes out publicly, like you can see it at TIFF kind of thing. Um, I'm, I was very confident in that with the weird gap he had in the tour. Um, And then I was less confident in that once I realized it comes out in theaters on September 13th. So like unless Tiff did like a September 11th or 12th screening, um, it wouldn't really make sense to play the festival. But um, I don't know. Uh, that's just my prediction for those three movies that we got trailers for the O' Russell thing. You make a good point. Like they might not, just not want to touch that, but
1: yeah, you know. I think the woman King will though. I think that that will probably play Tiff just because like, there is always that. I mean, you mentioned it a little bit with clerks where like there's always that, you know, one or two movies that are opening in September that do play, um, you know, Tiff. And it, and it is interesting. Like, um with tiff kind of only releasing so far two titles with both brother and uh glass onion the knives wait out- eric seeking. one
0: second are we in tiff talk
1: 2022
0: yes <laughs> yes we are with only
1: two titles but it is interesting that it's almost like tiff is really trying to emphasize you know Each movie that is being announced individually as a way to come back from the pandemic a little bit, because in the last couple of years, you know, TIFF has taken a bit of a hit in comparison to New York and Telluride, which played a lot of stuff um, in theaters and in person. And didn't have, I mean, some of them did have hybrids, but, you know, movies that we missed out on last year were films like Red Rocket, where that was a film that played, you know, in, in New York, but didn't play at Toronto, which probably would have been a Toronto film if Toronto committed to that movie being uh, theatrical only and not an online streamer, even though there were some on, uh, there were some theater only ones like Spencer, um, but it seemed like there was only like so many slots where this year, it feels like they are trying to go back more to the in-person only uh, i know yeah. barry
0: hertz wrote a lot about that so you can check yeah out his barry's stuff the always Mail. yeah barry's always on top of that kind of stuff but yeah it does seem like that's the the way i'm i'm curious of how long they'll go with just the one movie at a time every wednesday because usually by you know this time in july we get like a Here's all the here's the first b- batch of galas and special presentations for the festival, right? So like, you know the two movies you are referencing they uh, are Glass Onion, which is the Knives Out sequel, uh, and then the other one is Brothers. Is that what brother, it's brother brother brother? Yeah, um, which is a Canadian film takes place in Scarborough um,
1: with Aaron uh, Pierre as one of the the lead roles, who's best known as midsize sedan and old
0: there we go um so it's interesting just doing like one one movie at a time each week and how long you'll like do you think this week we get a uh, a bigger batch or do you think that they're gonna keep doing this until maybe late July well maybe
1: and, what they'll do is they'll like they'll announce one for like maybe each category um or section so we got a canadian one it's almost like
0: all the well the. Knives Out, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, if it was like the special presentations opener or something like that. Or did they announce if it was a gala? But I don't know. I'm surprised it wasn't Catholic, the opener the of the festival in. or something like that too. But yeah, um, but I guess
1: because maybe they already had Ryan Johnson's Looper open the festival back right. in 2011, 2012. Um, it's kind of like, do we want to have him open another film so soon? I mean, when I say soon, it's soon festival wise. Given that you know, like they don't usually have you know the same filmmaker open the festival every every time but maybe maybe it will be maybe it'll be like the judge situation where it's like you announced know
0: announced and then later it's yeah and it's like <laughs> it's
1: <a> surprise guys <laughs>
0: <laughs> we tried to get something else and they said no so we'll say so it's the, the judge um yeah i'm, I'm i don't know we we haven't really done a full predictions or previews or anything no because like venice
1: like, is coming up as well this month venice i think is is like Next week or the week after, and they're announcing their slate. Yeah. Yeah. Because Venice always starts at the end of August, right? And leads into TIFF. So, and we'll be able to see, like,
0: kind of what movies might play here because a lot of it is uh, carryover from Venice. So, yeah. That should be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. We've kind of gone through earlier of what we think might play. Like, the Glass Onion thing makes total sense. Like, you know, even though it's a new distributor now with Netflix, but Netflix and TIFF have a pretty friendly relationship. Um, so that is totally makes sense, but I haven't really thought about what might play the festival this year. Like I just, I've been so busy, I guess, with other, like the wedding and, and and things like that to bring this full circle that like, I haven't really been like, oh shit, what could play TIFF this year? Like circle triangle,
1: (laughs) Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, I, I have problem? a feeling like stuff like that will like you look at what played it. Oh, can you like and what can, will, yeah. yeah trickle over
0: that doesn't have a release date yet or has a later in the year release date because we're already getting the George Miller movie comes out in August, right? Like,
1: the end of August, and then yeah. even even Blonde with Anna de Armas like opens. I think I think it's like September thirteenth, but I'm almost getting the feeling that Netflix will probably have that play at venice yeah and then they'll almost dump it the way that they did i'm thinking of ending things in that they didn't really give it a fall festival launch Mm -hmm. and they just kind of because i i don't think they know what to do with blonde because of the nc-17 rating
0: yeah you'd think festival a festival would be the right route for that so maybe yeah, venice does make the most sense yeah like clerks being the 13th unless it has like an opening weekend of Tiff thing. Like I, I don't know about that anymore, but like woman King is the 16th. See how they run is the 16th. So, and then blonde isn't until the 23rd. So I think it will play Tiff. I think blonde and don't worry. Darling are pretty much locks. Um, Luca
1: Guadagnino's the, film, I think, Bones and All, yeah. will probably play the final. I, I could
0: see Bros, um, the Nicholas Stoller, Billy Eichner movie as a special presentation. Um, Smile, I don't, unless Peter thinks it's really good for Midnight Madness, no. Lyle Lyle Crocodile. <laughs> Which uh, could, you never know. Yeah, yeah. You know, or
1: something like that
0: you know uh i'm looking Shawn mendes, through Sean mendes right so. halloween ends do you you do you bookend with halloween screenings you skipped halloween kills but like do you go to halloween ends and bring it back cuz peter had the halloween reboot uh, or or legacy sequel play i'm just going through stuff with with release dates right now yeah mark forrester's got a movie not my uncle mark forrester but mark forrester always shows up um what else do we got black adam no uh, James Gray's Armageddon time, could, yeah, which played J- it can and but James and, Gray doesn't usually go to Tiff. He usually goes to New York, right? That's true. Yeah, so I could see that being. But is this a September release? Or, no, that's October. October. I bet you that goes to New York unless he does both. But usually, um, from my memory, James Gray usually skips Tiff and does New York, um. You have Amsterdam, the David O. Russell movie, Black Panther. No, Fablemans. Don't think they're gonna go. No, the... that, that would Spielberg be AFI never.
1: in November or maybe yeah. New York. Maybe
0: Spielberg doesn't usually do like did Lincoln or what? What I think AFI recent... like I yeah. think he
1: like that which is in November, which would be a better time for it anyways because it's closer to the release date.
0: Yeah, you got the menu. Could Searchlight movie. um i could see that playing um creed three no strange world no i'm just going through everything now before we wrap this up i forgot about tiff and i'll talk about dragon ball next week because i think we've covered too much this week i started watching dragon ball everyone and i'm going to take you on a journey on this podcast over the next however long it takes me to you're gonna you're gonna Dragon hop Ball. on Nimbus and fly yeah. around. So I'm watching Dragon Ball. Then Eric's gonna join me when I get to Dragon Ball Z, and then I'm sure we'll talk about it weekly of how many episodes we've watched and and you know our experience with Dragon Ball. I did watch it when I was a kid, but uh, Matilda, Violent Night, Woman, Women Talking, probably Sarah Polly,
1: Polly, like yeah,
0: that. yeah, that's probably gonna be there. Spoiler alert: The hero dies by Michael Showalter. I don't even know what this is what is this Michael Showalter is another movie and I read the premise for uh, the one of Bobby Fairley's new movie did you see that oh champions yeah yeah I'm like oh no (laughs) (laughs) um avatar the way of the water Shazam Puss in Boots I want to dance with somebody Babylon there's a good chance I don't think Uh,
1: Babylon will be finished and I think that they'll I think Paramount might even skip the fall festival festivals. circuit with that. Yeah.
0: You know. That's it for release dates this year for movies. So But there's a lot of stuff still that, that like doesn't have a yeah. release date, right? Yeah. Um so anyways, I just went through the stuff that is already dated. Um Mark Forster has another movie. He has two. He has a man called Otto with Tom Hanks. Um Which that all right, could play Gallant. yeah that, I could see that happening. That makes sense, yeah. Uh, all right, everyone. I think that's going to wrap a nice tight two hours on. Uh, <laughs> Keep it new... tight. <laughs> we haven't been here for a month, so that makes sense. But uh, our Dragon Ball adventure will begin next week where I talk about that uh, and whatever else. We'll have reviews soon for you can catch our review for Thor Love and Thunder right now uh, on all podcast services and on YouTube. We'll have a review for the Russo Brothers. um uh, the Greyman. The, gray the Grayman, uh which will be coming the end of this week i believe or right yeah because yeah. the
1: the uh the embargo the review embargo drops on thursday thursday
0: morning. Right, the day before it releases in theaters, but then it won't be on Netflix for a couple of weeks after. July 22nd. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have uh, the Grayman. Uh, we'll also have a Nope review coming up in the next couple of weeks. And that's what it's looking like on the review side. Um, I'm going to try to catch up with uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On and Elvis and the Black Phone. So we won't be doing individual reviews for those just because we're kind of far past that. But I'll be talking about them on the show as I go. And see those so uh, it should be an interesting time leading into tiff and each week i'm sure we'll have like a tiff talk and uh and things like that and then leading into august and september we're gonna be back full into tiff mode so which is our busiest time of the year we put out the most content like it should be uh it should be a wild time i'm excited for it eric yes i can't believe it's already july like it's like it's like 60 (laughs) days away man i know
1: um, another movie that we could actually also review is the Ron Howard film um, if you wanted to get in touch with Amazon about that.
0: Right. I will. We'll do yeah, that. 13 yeah, lives. Um, which the trailer also dropped for that. We didn't talk about it. But um, yeah, you could you can just watch that documentary. The Rescue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, all right, everyone, thank you for listening or watching. Uh, we really do appreciate it. I am happy to be back and watching movies and talking about them with Eric. Uh, if you want a one stop shop for everything, just head over to Letterboxd uh, at Untitled underscore movies. Uh, everything should be over there. Uh, we should have a regular schedule moving forward. You should get at least one of these shows probably per week. Um, you should be getting. A review every week probably more I want to watch RRR and then maybe we'll do an actual review for that as well I'd be
1: down Um, I want to rewatch it I want um, an excuse to rewatch it
0: (laughs) yeah so we'll probably do that and you'll be getting multiple reviews per week and still some big movies coming out so uh, we might do some of the Marvel TV show reviews all that kind of stuff so keep it locked right here happy to be back as always my name is Matt Rohrbeck you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Roarbeck.
1: And I'm Eric March, you can find more of my video reviews, uh, including Marcel, the Shell with shoes on uh, and others uh, at Roger's slash cinema scene and on the social medias at EM six two one one.
0: Until next time. Hot
1: corn, baby. Hot corn.
0: <laughs> they were good.